Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 394 for Tuesday, April the 7th, 2015. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble. So nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for jumping in at the last minute like that. Here I am. Here she is. It was Kelsey's night, and Kelsey is learning to do the whole driving thing, which is kind of cool and scary Mm -hmm. at the same time. So if you're in Barrie, you know, stay away from the sidewalks. (laughs) Good idea. Uh, tonight, well, we, this week, I mean, you've been looking at our inbox. We have received so many oh, yeah. of your emails this week that we have no choice. We had we had this spectacular thing planned, and we had to scrunch it up and throw it aside because we've got to go through your questions. That's what we're committed to tonight. So without wasting any time, we're going to jump right into viewer questions with another viewer question extravaganza. Best one ever, though. That's the plan. Good. Sasha Dermatis, hey! Hello! Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Researchers said they've uncovered an active campaign that's already stolen more than $1 million using a combination of malware and social engineering. Hmm. You can now download Android apps and launch them on Windows or Linux PC, Mac, or Chromebook. A Russian coder has revealed how he discovered a way to delete any video on YouTube. Video game streaming pioneer OnLive is to shut down after selling several of its patents to Sony. Mozilla is working on a new feature called tracking protection that is helping users identify and block websites that collect personal data even when do not track is enabled. And an Australian court has ordered internet service providers to hand over details of customers accused of illegally downloading a US movie. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Kid and your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to the show. I'm Robbie Ferguson. Well, how you been? <laughs> Keeping it real. Yeah. You know how I do. Yeah, we've been busy around here, eh? We got some fun stuff coming up this weekend. We've got something going on. What is what's happening here at Studio D this weekend? Well, bringing a group of kids and we are doing like a film festival workshop. So we're teaching kids how to shoot just basic like video skills shoot edit come up with an idea storyboard um in hopes of then we're going to be making a music video to submit for the toronto international deaf we have film some experience festival. doing that kind of stuff i know toronto international deaf, deaf film, film festival. festival very cool yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun so it's gonna be we great. got a lot of kids coming in a, a good chunk like well, they're always last minute, but I have at least <laughs> 10 kids confirmed so far. Great. So, we'll so it'll see be pretty packed shows. out. Oh, yeah. It's going to be nice. good. Very nice. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Category 5 for lending the awesome studio space. Isn't that cool, so cool that we can do that kind of stuff, folks? That, you know, here we are in the community mm-hmm. of Barrie, Ontario. And as a volunteer organization, you know, being able to participate in these kinds of things. And that's probably something that. You know, a lot of these kids are going to remember for the rest of their lives, and, and oh, yeah. it will, you know, maybe some of them will end up getting into video production and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting and, and a privilege to be able to be involved in, <laughs> in that kind of thing. So very cool. Well, hey, we've got a ton of questions to get through tonight, oh, Hill. So word. when you're ready, you can just jump into the mailbag. In the meantime, you know, I'll just say shouts out to everybody who's joining us, and I see tons of folks coming into the <laughs> chat room. And if you're watching on Roku tonight mm-hmm. or if you're catching, a, catching us live through any of the uh, means of doing that, well, get into the chat room. Great way to get your questions in, and it is a viewer question extravaganza. So it is. what are you waiting for? 
I just wanted to tell you all that Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And you can learn more about that at cat5.tv slash tpn. Additionally, we're members of the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. And you can learn more at cat5.tv slash IAIB. Thank you to everybody who has supported Category 5 TV this week um, through contributions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate your, your uh, financial support to help us do what we do here. Um, but also a lot of people have been using our affiliate links, which you'll find cool. on our website, Category5.tv. You go to um, support, uh, support us and you'll see the affiliate links there. Amazon is such a wonderful player as far as supporting the show. I mean, you're going to shop anyways, and a lot of stuff can be bought through Amazon these days. So uh, for those of you who have been using that uh, as a way to support the show, thank you very much. Um, Really interesting to see some of the things. I don't see any personal details of the transactions Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Uh, But but we do get a report at the end of the month that shows us what has been purchased through our affiliate links. And and it's really interesting to see people buying things like um, gift cards. Mm-hmm. Which you may want to give anyways, or or even to yeah, use. I mean, I'm, I might buy a. Uh, I use gas as a, an example because everybody needs petrol for your car, right? So you can buy a, a gasoline um, mm-hmm. gift card off Amazon, support the show in doing so, and then put it in your gas tank. How cool is that? Win-win all around. Yeah, but thank you, everybody, for (laughs) all your help. Uh, Expenses have been on the rise uh, here at the studio, and that's largely, uh, well, it's it's based on growth, I guess, Mm -hmm. and and just the way that things have been going. We've been uh, on a, a... a growth trend. Uh, we're receiving about 190,000 views per week uh, here at the network, and so we're growing. Cool. So, so that number is increasing, but also we're bringing on more shows. We signed on two new shows this week, so it's official. Wow. Category 5 TV is now Category 5 TV Network, which has always been a dream of ours wow. uh, to expand in that way. So, um, so we're very, very excited about what's to come mm-hmm. from Category 5 TV. You'll start to see things uh, rolling out. Roku is going to be one of the first to receive Category 5 TV as opposed to Category 5 Technology TV, which is a show Ooh, on yeah. Category 5 TV now. Wow. Um, so things will be you know, changing as, uh, as that progresses, and it's an exciting time. Um, but with that, you know, with everything, uh, bandwidth is a huge expense for mm-hmm. us right now. Um, so I'm looking at ways to, um, to cut our bandwidth costs as best I can. Uh, we're using LTE internet because of where we're located. We have to use cellular towers in order to get our internet connection uh, because fiber is the only fast enough option, and it's through the roof expensive. So, mm-hmm. um, so LTE is expensive, as you know. It's very expensive to to stream HD video through uh, your cellular uh, connection, but it's still cheaper than fiber. So, uh, <laughs> but it, it has been on the rise as well, um, and uh, so we're looking at different ways to. To help us um, keep those costs down as well as uh, we, we really appreciate your support in uh, helping us offset those expenses. Yeah, thank you. I guess the only change that you're going to notice is that um, the show uh, from basically here on in, we're doing an experiment starting with April, uh, where after each episode of Category 5 TV, mm-hmm. that episode that you've watched live will be available the following day uh, as opposed to the same day. And oh. that should actually help us to offset the uh, the bandwidth a little bit by spacing it out over two days. And actually, I can then take the files with me on a flash drive and upload yeah, it through a different true. connection where it's less expensive. So that's going to make a big difference, I'm, I'm sure. We'll see after April how, how it goes. Yeah. So <laughs> there you have it. Thanks, everybody. Here okay. Wow. Thank you, everybody in the chat room. Uh, we, Agamotto is asking, what kind of broadcast do we have? Well, um, what we do, we broadcast live in this resolution, which is, I think, 360 or 480p, mm-hmm. um, so that people can watch it on pretty much any connection. You can get it on your Roku. You can get it on your computer, on your phone. Um, but then, but what we're actually doing is we're recording to disc at the same time. So you see in Wirecast, the record up, up there at the top. Mm-hmm. Check out um, at the top right, kilobits per second. 50,000, 57,000 kilobits per second. And so we're actually recording to disk at this huge astronomical cool. bit rate uh, <laughs> and at 720p. Yeah. So the files after the show are this giant 720p file that we then have to process and then upload to uh, 
uh, to our various endpoints. Mm -hmm. So rather than doing that from here through LTE, we're going to take it off-site and do it through a different internet connection, which will be a lot cheaper, but it means taking more time in order to get it to you. Win some, you lose some, but uh, <laughs> it's all good. You still get your show. It's all good. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is yep. all good. One day's not going <laughs> to kill you. Beauty, well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your input, Hill. One day's not going to kill you. <laughs> no, I know. Okay, it might kill me because I like to watch myself. <laughs> She's like, I got to get home to watch the show that I just produced. I'm not joking. I'm serious. All right. Well, I'll I'll get it to you on on an SD card. How's that? I accept. All right. Unfortunately, we cannot do that worldwide. Let's get into some viewer questions. Okay. This like inbox is exploding. So we will see how many we can tackle. First question of the evening comes to us from Blythe55. I'm running a new program on Linux Mint 17.1 Cinnamon. It is called View Scan, but never I never really installed it like other programs. To start, I have to enter this into the CL, and he lists some stuff I don't understand. Okay. Why is this different than installing something like GIMP with an icon in the programs menu, etc.? Can I look over your shoulder? And yeah. Then can that you way read we'll this kind so of, you understand? We'll translate what I'm to say. the craziness. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Want to use ViewScan? Uh, it's not installed like other programs, so I assume they got a tar file and have just untarred it, which would be like an unzip operation okay. on Windows. Mm-hmm. So you get a zip file. It has all the files within one file. A tar on Linux is the same thing, Okay. Uh, essentially. So when they've extracted it, they've got this folder full of files. Look back at um, last week's episode, episode number 393. Three. Okay. <laughs> Because we installed and used a program called Duplicati. And it's similar in that we did it without installing. Okay, So the difference here is that... So ViewScan... Okay, what he's saying is I go in CD ViewScan. So change directory ViewScan. So that's where you've extracted it to. Then chmod U plus X ViewScan. So what you've done there is you've given executable rights to the ViewScan file. Hmm, so now okay. it's not just a file that will open up in your text editor. If you run it, it will actually run as a program. Linux is a lot safer than hmm. some other operating systems that we won't name. <laughs> uh, in that in order to run a file as an executable, which means it can do things on your computer, you have to actually give that file permissions to run as an executable. So by ch modding it U plus X he's made that file view scan executable. Hmm, okay. So then you type dot slash view scan. This is what I'm seeing in this email. Dot slash means run something in the current folder. Okay. Okay. And then view scan. There's no spaces there. View scan being the executable file, which we've already made executable. So the question here, does that, does that make, make it make a bit more sense? It's a little sense? bit more clear. Sasha's like shaking me. her head. No, that doesn't, that doesn't do it? No. No? <laughs> okay. She's a no. visual learner. All right. She's got to see it. Words. Yeah. Well, okay. Basically, what we're saying here is this program doesn't need to be compiled. There's no deb package. There's no, it's not in, you're not installing it through Synaptic Package Manager. But that makes me think, is it in apt? Is it in oh, yum? Is it in Synaptic Package check. Manager? Maybe that would be a better way to do mm-hmm. it only because then it keeps it up to date. Let's do a really, really quick search. View scan. No, it's not in there in my default repositories. So what what you're doing is you're you're executing a file, a program that does not require installation. You're going into terminal and you're running it. Is it a GUI application? I believe it is. So in that case, you can add it to the menu. It's just that it doesn't do it by default. So let's take a look at how we do that. So I mentioned Duplicati because last week I was using Duplicati. And if I wanted to, I could find the executable. Oh, that's maybe a bad example because of the fact that these are EXEs and I'm using using, uh, Mono in order to run them. But uh, let's just say, okay, let's just, I'm just going to create a quick folder here, test. And in that folder, I'm going to just create a fake file called uh, ViewScan. All right, we're going to pretend that that's my executable. So what I can do is I can copy. And in Linux, when you copy, what's really, really neat about that, look at what happens if I bring up my text editor and I paste. 
it has copied the actual location of the file. Okay, so what's cool about that is now I can right-click on my Applications menu and go Edit Menus, and then I can say, okay, where do I want this? It's View Scan, so I, I would assume by the name that that's a graphic utility. Um, I don't really know, but let's say it is. Uh, graphics, now I can go New Item, and then I can go, okay, let's call this one View Scan, and then the command is, ta-da! I paste it in, right? Yeah wherever it was located. And then when I hit OK, now I've got view scan on my menu. And what does that mean when I close out of that and I close out of that? If I go applications, graphics, I've got oh, view scan. Beauty. See that? So now I've basically circumvented the issue of not having view scan or whatever right. application is uh, on my menu. So when you get a distributable package, so this package is obviously doesn't require anything special, so they've made it so you can just open it and click on it. Um, and that's kind of nice. Shotcut, that would have been a good example. Uh, it's another one where you don't have to install it or anything. Um, whereas a deb package, which would also represent things like Synaptic Package Manager, apt-get, mm -hmm. the installation tools that we can use to, to install programs on our computer on Linux, um, those things... They check for dependencies. They automatically install stuff. They automatically put things on the menus. They're more like, a, uh, like uh, let's say, the setup.exe on Windows. They go through and they set up a bunch of other stuff. So that's the difference. Okay. So nothing to be concerned about. Easy to add the menu item. I would just suggest that you put that view scan folder somewhere that makes sense. Um, if you're just a single user environment, you're the only one who needs to use it, you could, for example, make a folder called Programs in your home folder and drop it into there and then create that shortcut so that it's always there. Mm -hmm. If it's on your desktop or something, then it's going to, uh, you know, maybe you'd eventually delete it by accident, not realizing it's the yeah, whole program. Yeah, that's true. Right? Um, so it just has to do with organization of you your file system. likely just name it Do Not Delete This. <laughs> do Not Delete This. And it's just a, a folder <laughs> of everything that you don't want to do, delete. Yeah. Don't accidentally delete this folder. All right. There you have it. Valid. So hopefully that helps. Cool. Thank you. Make sense of it. Did it make sense now? Well. <laughs> I can't go into any deeper explanation on that one. We'll leave that as it is. <clears throat> All right. Pressing onward, we have a question coming to us from Whiskey Zero. Hey, Whiskey Zero. Saying, hey, Robbie, what is LibNotifyClient? I saw that on your Twitter page, and I'm so curious. Oh, by the way, good luck with the new Try It, Buy It program. I'll be watching. Pass my regards along to Sasha. Sure. Okay, so good what luck, is... Sasha. Thank you. Bon chance. <laughs> bon chance. <laughs> Okay, LibNotifyClient is... Yeah, uh, what is that? Is a notification daemon... Is it a daemon? Yeah, I think so. Uh, anyways, it's a notification system for Linux. And, <laughs> and we, Linux always kind of needed to have a universal notification system that other applications can use to do pop-ups. And LibNotify uh, is uh, one of those solutions. Okay. So there are various different ones out there and um, that would allow you to um, create notifications in an application. How does that affect anyone? <laughs> okay. So imagine you've got 10 different programs all running on your computer. Um, let's use an example that's really, really easy for me to create because we need easy tonight because that's where I'm at. Um, mm -hmm. Email. You've got an email. Hill. Yes. And it's minimized, so you're not watching it actively. Okay. Wouldn't it be handy if up on the screen would pop up a little notification window that says, uh, you've got mail. Yes. Here's who it's from. So LibNotify becomes that engine to allow that email program to send a signal to your screen in a little pop-up window with a little okay. X so that you can okay. close it out. Uh, tool tips, we'll say. Things like that. The, the programmer can develop into it. Um, Jot uses a, an application. He's uh, located in the Netherlands. And from the Netherlands, Jot is able to um, communicate with us as a, an executive producer of the mm -hmm. show. And in so doing, he's able to um, let us know if a camera is not working or if, we're, yeah. if our microphones are off or something like that, which is very, very handy for us uh, because he can't be here physically. 
John, if you uh, if you could just be ready for me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up Wirecast Cam here, oh, cool. and I want to show you what LibNotify is able to do in, in an environment like what we do here. Um, just really, really quickly, I've just got to connect into the camera. This Let's see, Wirecast cool. Cam. And boo, boo. it's been a while since we've used the Wirecast Cam. Yeah. There it is. Okay, 103 is the IP address, and connect. Are we in? We're in. Oh, good, good. wow. Okay. There we go. There we go. There we okay. Go. So, we're going to... Do you mind minimizing email? Do you mind minimizing email? Hillary's just sure. going to minimize email because we don't like to expose anything private. No, we do not. Uh, no, okay. Do not. That's to respect okay. our viewers. That's to respect hey, Adam. Our viewers. How you doing, man? Hey, Adam. Know, okay, man. so John okay, uh, so does the job John, bot, and uh, so we've got job bot here in front of me, so that we can see what's going on. So John, if you could just signal something, so that we can see what LibNotify um, so does on the co-host system co here. This is Hillary's laptop that she uses, and once Jot gives us a signal, I'm just assuming I'm making the assumption that Jot is listening right now. Probably making some food. I bet. Probably making some food. At this very moment. At this very moment. Decided to get a snack. Yeah, okay. Decided to get a snack. You're, you're yeah, live, okay. Jot. You're, you're live, Jot. <laughs> Compensate for time zone. Compensate for time zone. <laughs> yes. The 30-second delay. That's what we're not taking into account. That's what we're not taking into account. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. The Somebody in the chat room, delay. tell Jot. Hey, Jot, come on, man. Hey, Jot, Say something. Man. Am I Say using something. Debian? Am I using Debian? On, yeah, she's on you Debian here. Except CE. How do you like that? Good eye. Good eye. Very nice. Good eye. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, and it looks like uh, oh, our, our looks sample like, uh, here. Our I can load the Jotbot if Jot himself <laughs> is not actually monitoring Jotbot. Oh, hokey doodle. Who I want to show you what LibNotify is and we what it does. We want to see an action we could, here. We could do the news now and then somebody give Jot a chance to like. Somebody LibNotify Jot. <laughs> yes, somebody do, do that. Come on, come on. Anybody. Kay. Let's see here if I can log into Jotbot. Jotbot, oh Jotbot, where are you in the Netherlands? I'm gonna go knock on his door. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, so I've got Jotbot up on my screen. So this is uh, this is you see what Jot sees I now see that. That's in cool. the Netherlands. That's very cool, isn't it? It's our little secret. You're gonna have to watch the show show in order to learn what all this does. Mole, mole. Okay, so let's switch back to our mole, mole. iPod touch. Okay, so okay. let's switch back to our Okay, so now okay. I, if I was Jot, so now you want to be the camera like person? If I was Jot, I, I can handle over. this okay. job. So it's going to go into your top, LibNotify is going to be up in the top right hand Honky corner here. Uh, okay, so you're set. Okay, so I'm going to say, uh, let's okay, say, so great say, job. Uh, okay, so Jot now has signaled job. us from the Netherlands. Okay. Great job. So now has and so her system, within a certain is. amount of time, is going to say, great job. Now, can you see over here, too? So now we've also got a signal over here so that we know. And there are multiple screens in the studio to help us to see what is being communicated to us. So that that you saw on the laptop is called LibNotify. It's a system that allowed me to write a simple tool that connects to that database and communicates it to Hillary so that if I'm not paying attention and my microphone is off. Then I'll know. It'll be like, ding, ding, hello. Yeah. So that's LibNotify. Very cool. Now you know. A universal now system for notifications. Know. Turns out Jot had to actually step away for a couple minutes, so he did miss that. Isn't oh, that unfortunate? I just yeah, got he's a gonna... message. I just got oh. a message from Jot. Oh, it's gone. Sorry, Jot. We love you, man. It's it just, that was wonderful timing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sasha, if... <laughs> oh, Jot. Now we're getting pings. Now we're getting the messages Thanks, man. here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to jump over to the newsroom, if we may. And, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm unavailable right now. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the Netherlands. It's Tuesday, April 7th, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. A sophisticated multi-level cyber thievery campaign is underway, which, at its heart, uses malware to trick users into conducting wire transfers through thieves posing as their bank's technical helpline. Google is blurring the lines and making it so Android apps can now be run on any computer, be it Windows, Mac, Linux, or Chromebook. 
A Russian coder discovered a way to delete every video from YouTube in a matter of moments. Many of OnLive's patents have been sold to Sony, forcing them to shut down. Mozilla is working to put privacy back in the hands of its users with their new tracking protection feature. And internet service providers in Australia have been ordered to hand over personal information about users who downloaded an illegal, an illegal copy of a U.S. movie. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. What would you think is a good deal for web hosting? $300? Maybe. $400? I don't know. 7000 million gajillion dollars? I know that's not a good deal. What if you could get web hosting for only 70 bucks? That for an entire year. Sounds actually pretty good. What if we could throw in a free domain name registration like your own .com? What? What if we gave you unlimited email accounts and unlimited storage space for your website? Sounds pretty good. I'd You're supposed say. to say that's not enough, Robbie. What else can that's, you do for me? Keep giving me more stuff. Okay. How about unlimited bandwidth? More. How about a 50 gig offline off-site backup service? This is too good to be true. What? 70 bucks. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. That's cat5.tv slash dreamhost. And when you're checking out, use the coupon code CAT5TV, and you're going to get all that stuff and more. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost with the coupon code CAT5TV. Back to the newsroom. Here's Sasha. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. Researchers said they've uncovered an active campaign that has already stolen more than $1 million using a combination of malware and social engineering. The Dire Wolf campaign, as it's been dubbed by IBM, IBM security researchers, targets businesses that use wire transfers to move large sums of money, even when the transactions are protected with two-factor authentication. The heist starts with a mass emailing that attempts to trick people into installing Dire, a strain of malware that came to light last year. The dire versions observed by IBM researchers remained undetected by the majority of antivirus products. That's scary. Infected machines then send out mass emails to other people in the victim's address book. Then the malware lies in wait. IBM security intelligence researchers John Kuhn and Lance Mueller explain in their blog post, once the infected victim tries to log into one of the hundreds of bank websites for which the dire is programmed to monitor, a new screen will appear instead of the corporate banking site. The page will explain the site is experiencing issues and that the victim should call the number provided to get help logging in. Oh. As soon as the victim hangs up the phone, the wire transfer is complete. The money starts its journey and bounces from foreign bank to foreign bank to circumvent detection by the bank and law enforcement. The success of the Direwolf campaign underscores the need for improved training so employees can better spot malicious emails and suspicious ruses like the one involving the phone call to the target's banks. This is happening more and more, and it's the scariest thing, especially, I mean, for this, it's large sums of money, but it can happen even with small sums of money. Uh, even my sister's fiancé, she's getting married at the end of the summer. Mm. He's just finishing up his last year of university, and he got, uh, his university is on strike, or just finished a strike, and he got an email from his university saying, we're going to give you back some of your tuition money, because you've missed oh, so man. many classes. And all we need you to do is let us know where you'd like the money to go and prove that you are who you are. So please give us your social insurance number <laughs> and your visa number so we can, oh, you know, man. refund you. So, Robbie, I mean, we've done yeah. a lot about phishing. So what what do you think? Oh, that's That's got to be an inside job because they got to know who's going to that school. They know the story of the strike that, yeah. you know, some, mm-hmm. something's going on there that's a little fishy. But um bam and then this. Unless? No, and then this. Oh, and the- then. Oh, yeah. yeah. And what's what you're saying now? Okay, so it's basically malware that gets into your computer. We'll call it a virus. And if I go to my online banking, it says, sorry, this site is down. Please call this technical support phone number for service. How many people fall for it and pick, pick up the phone? Oh, wow. Yeah. And say, uh, so this is a DNS hijacker, I would assume. So when I go to that website, the hijacker then intercepts it and mm. serves up this fake website. 
check for secure certificates anytime you're looking at a website because I would assume that you're not getting the secure certificate when you're looking at that. So where, how do you check for a secure certificate? Well, that would be uh, your, your, your browser itself. So when I uh-huh. go to online banking, let's, let's bring one up. Uh, name a bank, any bank TD. here in Canada. TD? Yeah. So tdcanadatrust.com. So when I go to tdcanadatrust.com, it redirects and blah, 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 you'll see two things. First thing is that the address then skips over to HTTPS. That stands for secure. It has a lock next to it, and that lock means that it is a secure connection, and it says when I hover over it, verified by VeriSign. Single click on that, and it will tell you a little bit more about this uh, particular certificate. Okay, I'm going to zoom out a little bit here for you. It will tell me a little bit more about the certificate when I click on it, and it says the connection is secure. All right. Now, more information will tell you a lot more information about who owns this and what, see that? This website does not supply ownership information. So that's just the type of certificate that it is. Uh, For some reason, TD doesn't have uh, uh, their name on the certificate. Uh, But at least we know that, yes, it is a secure certificate. It is, they're using 128-bit encryption, which is pretty lame, if you ask me, for a a bank. (laughs) A big bank in Canada is using only 128-bit yeah. encryption. Sorry, I, I, my kids' personal websites have 256-bit encryption. My Come mind on. is blown right now. I didn't even know that exists. So if you go to a website that's not secure, yeah. it doesn't have the S. Does it have like an unlocked locky thing or it, it just has nothing? <clears throat> Um, I wonder if I have a sample of something that I can show you. What wouldn't be secure? Like just a general info? Well, yeah. In general, everybody should be looking to see whether or not that locky thing is there. and then If you're doing anything that's secure that should be protected behind a secure certificate. So if I go, for example, if I skip over to um, google.com, you'll see it also turns to secure because I'm going to be entering personal information into that. So if I single click on that, it tells me blah, 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 verified by Google Inc. They're making their own certs. That's handy. Oh, this one also doesn't show any uh, um, owner information. That may be, oh, verified. Oh, no. That may just be that uh, that's what the browser, that's Firefox. Uh, And they're also same kind of deal. But uh, so a website that isn't secure, let's say uh, category5.tv. Okay. Notice it did not change to a secure cert. Right. Perfect. And that is because we're not doing any financial transactions or anything like that. Or now, But as things change, you can, you can go to, let's say, your website, Sasha, tv.category5.tv. So try it, buy it. You'll see it did turn to a secure certificate, and it's a, a little bit different. Huh. Right? I have a very secure site. Right? We do have a very secure site because as the internet <laughs> evolves and as things evolve uh, more and more, everything is turning to secure certificate mm. websites oh, okay. so that that data cannot be intercepted by, well, it can be intercepted, but it can't be read because it's not plain text. It's encrypted. So it can't be intercepted in a plain text fashion by, I guess, you know, the Snowden thing kind of brought it to light, but NSA, hackers, um, mm. spies, super spies, super duper spies so the way Um, the way this particular virus works to get around that and the fact that some mm. people might know that is they get you to call technical help right yeah well they intercept it right they stop it so that you don't actually get to tdcanadatrust.com so before i get to this website i've typed in the website address but instead of getting this website i get an error message that says the website's Mm. down call this number for support I call that number. They know enough about me to from the from the virus to to be able to uh, make make it convincing, and then they take my banking credentials. Oh well, what what is your uh, login username and password so that I can test it in our system here? Okay, yeah. And as you're doing that, as you're giving it to them, they're logging in on another computer that is getting them to the site and stealing all your funds. Scary. You can never be too safe. Never too safe, folks. Always look for that little locky thing. The little locky thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Google's convergence of Chrome and Android is taking a big step forward this week. After launching a limited app runtime for Chrome, a.k.a. Arc, back in September, Google is expanding its beta project to allow Android apps to run on Windows, OS X, and Linux. 
It's an early experiment designed primarily for developers, but anyone can now download an APK of an existing Android app and launch it on a Windows or a Linux PC, Mac, or Chromebook. There are some limitations. By default, only one app can be loaded at a time, and you have to select landscape or portrait layout and whether you want the app to run in phone or tablet style. Developers will need to optimize their apps for Arc, and some Google Play services are now supported right now, making that process a whole lot easier. So that means any of my apps I could run on my my laptop, which is Linux, right? That'd be cool, eh? And I wonder if the the convergence will end up being a drive to, you know, the Chromebooks. And I think about how, you know, well, now you can run your Android apps on those as well. That opens up a lot of stuff. (laughs) Angry Birds, for one. Oh, boy. Oh. No, but I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is like, (laughs) is things like FL Studio Mobile Edition and the ability to, you know, do really cool camera apps and things on other platforms. And because Mm -hmm. it's on Google Hmm. Chrome and you don't need to have Android, you can do all these things on any kind of computer. Doesn't matter what it's running. That could be really good. That's great news. Here's interesting news. A Russian coder has revealed how he discovered a way to delete any video on YouTube. A demonstration of the technique was posted online showing that once he had copied a part of the video's web address, he could use it to wipe the clip. Rather than exploit the hack, he instead reported it to Google, who fixed the exploit within hours and gave him a $5,000 reward. While this exploit could have been used to almost instantly purge YouTube of all of its video content, the coder joked that he would have been content just to wipe Justin Bieber's music videos. Oh, <laughs> man. Okay, so I read this story earlier, and the first time I read it, I thought, this is great. The second time I read it through, that's right, I read every news story twice, <laughs> I thought $5,000? $5,000 Come on, reward Google, for you saving can do all of YouTube. The entire YouTube. My goodness. Like, like he's holding YouTube hostage, For really. Nash. Like I've got this malicious code, but I choose to release it. Yeah, what are they? To you and they say thank you. Here's five thousand dollars. How much money would they have lost in even one day of not being up? Fifteen minutes. Fifteen. Think about the monetizing videos and how mm-hmm. much money and how much business would be lost and how much like response from yeah. users there would be if YouTube had all its videos deleted and the Can't cleanup. Imagine. Oh, my goodness. This is episode number 394 of Category 5 Technology TV. What would it mean to me if I lost 394 episodes of the show? Right. Having to upload 394 times 2 gigs per episode. Yeah, it would cost you more than five thousand dollars to just yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is Google thinking? All of that work. Yeah, I, a bigger thank you, a much bigger thank much you, much bigger thank you. I think the sh- the community could come together and do better than that. Yeah. Giving this guy, you know, yeah. a, a penny Seriously. each this just guy, to say, hey, thanks for this guy so- deserves a huge reward for knowing that, getting it fixed, and not exploiting it. Although what he said about Justin Bieber is not nice, and Justin Bieber most recently was roasted, so he doesn't need any more not nice things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think that they not could have done gonna touch it, folks. Not little, gonna go there. A little bit better. Yeah. All right. All right. Video game streaming pioneer on live is to shut down after selling several of its patents to Sony. The California-based firm had allowed PC and tablet owners to play console titles, which were run on its computer servers, but controlled and viewed in the gamer's home. Sony is expected to use the 140 patents it has acquired to support its own PlayStation Now streaming service. Online was once valued at $1.8 billion, but has not been doing well since 2012 when many of their staff lost their jobs when the company was sold to a venture capital firm after running up about $40 million in debt. While Sony is shutting down OnLive in its current form, cloud gaming is alive and well as Sony works to expand its PlayStation Now service, which debuted last month in the UK, bringing it to more platforms and removing the need to use a gaming console to play your favorite game titles. So I guess this is just one of those cases where 
you know, they, they'll buy it and they'll turn it into something great. It takes money to make money. And when you're $40 million in debt, I guess, <laughs> you have to sell Grab your patents. Grab those patents while they're hot, eh? And <sighs> absorb the feature set into your own platform. Makes sense. Smart move. Yeah. I like it. Mozilla is working on a new feature called tracking protection that is helping users identify and block websites that collect personal data despite the fact that the browser has the do not track policy enabled. Browsers have included an incognito feature for years now, and you would think that would be sufficient, but it's not. Some websites still gather information, and that happens even if the user enables the do not track option that are present in most browsers today. In a world concerned very much with privacy, having websites get data from your computer without your consent is a problem, even if it's only cookies or other metadata. Tracking is the collection of a person's browsing data across multiple sites, usually including content. Um... Tracking, do- sorry. <laughs> tracking domains attempt to uniquely identify a person through the use of cookies or other technologies, such as fingerprinting. While Firefox has a do not track feature that tells websites not to monitor your behavior, companies are not required to honor it. Which blows my mind. For- Firefox's tracking protection feature puts the control back in your hands by actively blocking domains and sites that are known to track users. Tracking protection is a very new feature, and it's only available in the nightly builds of the browser, which means it will take a few months until it reaches the stable branch. I didn't realize, like I just assumed, Robbie, that when you have like the incognito on, or that that's it. <laughs> Never you're make incogn- this assumption. That oh, you're incognito. That, yeah, that it's now it's incognito. safe to send emails with the president's home right. address and well, <laughs> social what, insurance number it and, appears that then they can't track you <clears throat> no uh, well so no. now it's a little bit better i think this is where there's a misconception i think even the president of the united states doesn't quite get that if you have a phone number you can find the person's name even if it's not on the printout hmm. so if i have your ip address go to maxmind.com blow your mind maxmind that's how we'll remember it, all right? <laughs> Catch a little jingle. Maxmind.com, for example, uses geolocation service. Punch in an IP address. It'll tell you where it is. I don't like that. Yeah. Creepy. But what's crazy about a tracking cookie is, remember we had this discussion, Sasha, a couple of weeks back, and you probably remember at home, about that camera that's low resolution in a shopping yes. mall. Yes. And they're saying, well, it's safe because it, it, it tracks you, but it doesn't know who you are because it's too pixelated. Mm-hmm. But my suggestion was, well, what about the one HD camera at the entrance of the mall that gets a nice 1280 by 720 picture of your face and then compares that to the low resolution mm-hmm. stuff and says, well, it can. Tr- it, yeah, we're not actually tracking your face and know exactly who you are. We're tracking you as an anonymous pixelated individual, but we can actually cross reference that to that first picture. Similarly, if I've got your IP address from this, this, and this site, and then you log into this site, and that site contains your information, mm. now I've got something to cross-reference and say, "Huh, we've been watching you. Now we've actually now we know who you are." So the the information mm-hmm. itself, as the president has said, is not personally identifiable. Well, yes, it is if you cross-reference it to mm-hmm. other information. So then. Is the damage done now for me? Like, is there any way of going back? (laughs) Yes, Sasha. Yes, it's too late for you. I don't even know what to do now. (laughs) (laughs) They all know who I am. Mm. Okay. An Australian court... Oh, speaking of tracking, an Australian court has ordered internet service providers to hand over details of customers accused of illegally downloading a U.S. movie. In a landmark move, the federal court told six firms to divulge names and addresses of those who downloaded the Dallas Buyers Club. The case was lodged by the U.S. company that owns the rights to the 2013 movie. The court said the data could only be used to secure compensation for the infringements of copyright. In the case, the applicant said that they had identified 400 or 4,726 unique IP addresses from which their film was shared online using BitTorrent. The judgment to release the personal information 
of the users comes amidst the crackdown by the Australian government on internet piracy. So that's a good movie, firstly. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, 7,000 people doesn't seem like a lot of people, but this is obviously like a sort of... It's a crackdown, right? Let's set an example of these people. I just, uh, the personal information, I realize they're saying it can only be used for, you know, all these. Sure, sure, sure. I just don't love it. I mean, I realize piracy is a bad thing, but privacy, I think, trumps that. You know what's (laughs) funny about that story coming up after our discussion just two minutes ago (laughs) is that it just goes to show, well, sure, we don't have the information. We have the IP addresses of all these thousands of people, but we don't have their personal information. So but you they, think you're safe, right? But who does? The internet service provider. Yes. So let's take them to court and force them to give us that personal information mm-hmm. that we can then connect right. the dots. I mean, if these people put like connected the dots, they could get all the information of these people, right? Precisely. They just wouldn't have it legally, so they couldn't do anything with it, right? right. They have to get it in a. They have to force it in a legal way. Not everyone right? has to use legal means to get this information, though. Right. Sometimes at the end of these episodes, I just, I'm scared. <laughs> We're like, how well can we creep I, out Sasha Dermatis I don't tonight? have restful sleeps on okay. Tuesday nights. That's for oh, sure. <laughs> She's going home and deleting all her accounts. <laughs> Firstly, I drink like 15 cups of coffee while I'm here. And then I read all of these scary news stories. <laughs> for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.com. Category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thank you, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. My name's Robbie Ferguson. You can follow me down there. Yeah, and I'm Hillary. Tune in in as co-host today. You're on Twitter too, but we don't have your Twitter there. It's easy. Seldom use Hillary Rumble. Hillary Rumble. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I use it a lot, so follow me instead. Do it. I post time. really interesting things. <laughs> so, hey, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time here, we love having you here. Please mm-hmm. make sure you register on our website, right? It's the Category best place to be. TV. The best place. You heard it here. Category5.tv. <laughs> uh, okay. Straight back into viewer questions because uh, that's really all we got time for tonight. Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. All right, let's do this. Andrew writes to us saying, I'm trying to make a page that Andrew. has links on it. Hi, Andrew. Excuse me. Sorry. Get out of my face. Get out of my shot. Get out of my face. Get out of my space. Get out of my shot. Right. Um, so anyway, he's trying to make a page that has links on it. And when the, a link is clicked, it sets a URL variable called sec section and then reloads the same page. For example, he lists here index.php would be reloaded with index.php question mark sec equals one or something like that. Okay. Based on the value of the URL variable, the page would then show specific sections of the site and hide others. If a different value was added to the URL variable, say, Whoa. question mark sec equals two, then a different section would be displayed. I managed to get the test page to display a block of text if there was um, an entry in the variable. However, when the variable changes or becomes unset, the text does not go away. So he has attached a photo so we can see what this even means. Very well. Have you seen the photo? I, well, it's not actually a photo. He actually included a PHP file. Oh, so Thanks he for did. You're that. right. He yeah. did the file, the actual file. Okay, so I've got this. Um, hmm. Some odd anomalies there. Okay, so let's take a look. So Andrew is working with PHP, trying mm-hmm. to get this file to, uh, to use get variables. And mentioned to me on Twitter, you know, there you guys really haven't touched on this on your uh, basic to intermediate PHP. Yeah, okay. So we'll definitely uh, go there. So let's let's, uh, let's take a look at this code that you've created so far, Andrew. And, and this is uh, this is how we learn, right? Is uh, playing around. First of all, what's all this garbage at the end here? <laughs> um, that's curious. Uh, I I'm going to oh. delete that, okay? okay? Because that falls outside of the HTML uh, closing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Braces there, so it doesn't even exist. Okay, so let's look at what you're doing. Okay, 
taking Andrew and and viewers at home who are interested in learning a little bit about coding. This is uh, kind of entry level stuff, and okay. uh, but it's good to learn, uh, and you need to know it. Um, we'll take you through this uh, line by line. Okay. You. So. First, we're declaring a doc type, and this doc type is an old doc type. This is HTML4 transitional. This is not HTML5. You might want to look at a new doc type if you want to be HTML5. Uh, okay, so this is the, yeah, I don't need to go line by line, literally. Opening the header and closing the header. That's good. Okay, content type. You're using UTF-8 ch- uh, character set, and it is the first thing in your header. That's a good move, because if the uh, if this were down lower, it would uh, it would cause the page to reload if the character set was different. That's the title that shows in the, the title bar of your document. Okay, so we've closed the header, we've opened the body, and we've opened a paragraph that says, if the URL variable test. Okay, so open that. So this is PHP if is set underscore dollar sign underscore get so what that means is if i have set in my browser at the end of the url question mark Mm -hmm. anything okay because it's if is set so maybe not what you're looking for but it certainly gets the job done so (laughs) uh so what we're saying is if they have sent some kind of a variable then do this all the stuff that i oh not all the way down there Let's see where it ends. Yeah, all the way down there. So if get is set, so if they've set a variable, let's do all this. So first of all, dollar sign sec equals dollar sign get sec. So that means that the user has entered, you know, the file dot file dot php question mark sec equals, and then we're saying one or two. Okay. So I'm going to use two as the example. So that is now dollar sign sec. So now we know dollar sign sec is valued at two. If strlen dollar sign sec is greater than or equal to one, then okay. So strlen, what do you think that that means? Sterlin. Sterlin. Exactly. We're talking about James Sterlin today. Uh, no, this is a string length. Okay, is the PHP query here. So if the length of this string is greater than or equal to one. So basically, hey, we've got a character in there. So dollar mm-hmm. sign sec has something of value. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is not null. That's fine. I mean, but where does that fall short? Can you think of it? Based on what I've just said, I know I'm putting you right on the spot. Sorry, Can I was you think of it? in the chat room. And it- <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you asked. Okay, Andrew, here's where your script falls short. Mm-hmm. If strlen dollar sign sec is greater than or equal to one, then okay, and I know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to say if they had set dollar sign sec to one or two or three or four, right? What happens though if they set it to zero? Because you are not using the number, you are using the length of the string. So if they enter zero, it's still going to be greater than or equal to one as long as it has anything there if this is equal to b it is still going to have an str len of greater than or equal to one it's one because that's the length so what you're actually trying to do from what i'm gathering here is you're trying to say if str len is greater than zero so if my, my string itself, the value, is greater than zero. For a little bit of safety, you might even say, let's say, let's make sure that this is an integer and add int val to our declaration for dollar sign sec. So now if they put ASDF as the, um, as the sec equals, then it will just be null. Hmm. Right, so we're saving ourselves from a little bit of trouble there. We're not getting too big on this, into security. Uh, okay, next line, echo variable set, and here it is, echo sec. Very good. So that's that's good. All right, this uh, this brace here uh, is from that if. So I would just go like that just to clean that up, so that I have a little bit more clarity as to where things line up. And then if they didn't enter, see, because it's if dollar sign sec is greater than zero. Uh, no variable set or or invalid variable. 
not really accurate, right? Because then you've got these if statements down here. So here you go, Andrew. This is what we're going to do. Okay, so if strlen, let's clean this up a little bit. We don't need to close and then reopen PHP in sequence. It's going to look just like that. So if string length of dollar sign sec is, e oh, hold on, equals, well, that is, you're, setting, you're making a declaration to create a value as opposed to asking it what the current value is. So if I say if dollar sign SEC equals with a single equals sign five, it will always be true because I have only put one equal sign. So I'm saying set it to five. Right. So it will always be true. What we need to do here. Okay. We already determined we don't want to be using str len because that's the wrong thing to be doing. We, we actually want to use the, the value of dollar sign sec. So it, with that statement as it is, this again will always be true because sec equals to means hey make sec equal to i don't care what they said it is going to be two you have just set that what you're actually meaning to do here is equals equals so what that means now is it changes the statement entirely now it says if dollar sign sec the value of that is exactly equal to the number two then echo this Put it out on the screen else echo no variable set and it could be set it could be one or it could be five right that's that's the case so there you go so we fixed up your script it's going to work now uh and you can continue to go now go else if and i would encourage you to uh, take a look at uh, switch case uh, in php mm. go to php.net do a search for switch and you're going to love that uh, it's along these lines Else if dollar sign sec equals equals one echo, it's oh, one, right? So you can do that and do do something for one. There you go. Okay. And the reason I've used else if there is because we know it's not two. So we don't need to do if, right? If I did it that way, then it's going to evaluate both expressions. So it's a little heavier on resources because if SEC equals two, we know that it can't equal one. So why evaluate this? Why use the system resources to do that? So we say else if. So we know it's not two. So then check the next variable. There you go. I hope that helps. Watch Close it in slow motion. Mind. Watch it in slow motion. Ooh, yeah, do it. Seriously, because okay. you're speedy Gonzalez over there. I think, though, that if you, if you follow along... And with it the things that are coming out of my face hole, um, you'll you'll maybe figure it out. <laughs> I impart that information to you, Andrew. Enjoy it. Okey doodle. All right, I'm gonna save that and I'll send, send it, back it back to you. Back? Send it back to you. Perfect. Okay. That was a good question. Do we have any real quick questions, or is that? I'm just. I can't believe the time is flying. I know. Out of How does we this have, happen? Like, every time. Sasha says it's like every the show time. could be, and people say in the chat room, the show could night. be two hours. But what's, remember, at the top of the show, you know. How, how I was talking about funny. bandwidth? Here's what's funny, though, <laughs> yeah. Robbie, is that you give us this sheet. Yes. Right? And like, Which there's is like. Transparent. It, it makes you invisible. <laughs> how cool is that? But the interesting thing about this sheet is <laughs> yeah. that there's like things that we can bring up if we, you know, run short on <laughs> things to say. Otherwise. We have a section on Stalling. our sheet right? called right. Time Fillers. Right, which yes. has never since I started ever happened. The Time Fillers are actually from 1973. <laughs> <laughs> and we've just we're waiting to never use gotten them. around to them. Yeah, there you have it. Well, it's a good yeah. problem to have, I'd say. I think so. And that was fun. I hope that uh, that you you learned something. We got to stop calling it viewer question extravaganza, though. It's going to have to be just. We're going to cover some questions tonight. We're going to try to get through three of them. <laughs> We did three. They were good questions. <laughs> thank you so much for sending them yes, in, Hillary. Do you know you. how they can get questions to us? What's the best way to get those in? Um, pureate them. That's one way. <laughs> no, that's how you send checks. <laughs> oh, there you go. Live at category5.tv. You can email us. Yes, email us. Please way. do. Or even in the chat room. Sometimes people just pop up questions as they're doing it or tweet them or like send a video of yourself asking your question. Oh, like you could do anything. Oh, but we would love that. Oh. I'm just coming up with oh, then the cat phone. Cat phone. Why 
Why won't you call me? Just give us a ring link, guys. Come on. Take two seconds. Yeah. Do it. Do it. We're going to start getting calls right after we <laughs> sign off. There you go. Our uh, phone number's at the bottom of the website, but it's easy to remember. 2545-CAT5TV. Love it. We need a jingle. That's on the to-do list. 2545-CAT5TV. It's a Texas number, so it's local to you if you are located in Texas. Unfortunately, <laughs> not everyone is in Texas. Not everyone, but I know you're there. You are there. Check out map.cat5.tv. We know you exist. Mm-hmm. So thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Good show, guys. Good show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Adam, for being here and doing the great great work that you do on the camera. Thanks, Hill. Thanks, Sasha. Thanks to you. As well. I'll see you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 